What's up, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Falcons Final Whistle podcast presented by Zaxby's. I am Scott Bear alongside Tori McElhaney, and the both of us just returned from the Falcons charter flight home from Chicago after a result that was unwelcome for Falcons fans, a 37-17 loss to the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. It was snowing. It was um, an uncomfortable game for the Atlanta Falcons that ultimately lost in all three phases. This is one of those games that was a no-doubter and uh, a game the Bears deserved to win and the Falcons deserved to lose. You will notice that Taryn Walk is not with us. She is back in Chicago with family, so it's just going to be a two-person show this time. So let's get right to it, Tori. Oh, Happy New Year to everyone, by the way. Yeah, yeah Happy New Year. <laughs> I hope that you all are welcoming 2024 with happiness and cheer and, and uh, wine <laughs> and wine and maybe a renewed um, state of optimism as they move towards the spring. Cause right now Falcons fans aren't really happy about what happened at soldier field. Again, they got beaten every way possible. Yeah. They threw four interceptions. Um, they allowed what uh, now it's not in front of me. Five of the the uh, Bears went four of five in the red zone. They scored a uh, they scored twenty one points in the first half. That was a uh, Falcons high for points allowed in the first half. Not a lot of and even Young Way Koo missed two field goals. That's yeah. how bad it got. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was. And Scott and I were talking about this in the press box where it's like you look at the game last week, literally just last week. It was the most dominant and complete performance I feel like the Falcons had against the Indianapolis Colts like I leaving that game I didn't really have a lot of complaints about the way that the Falcons played and then you fast forward to this Sunday against Chicago and it was almost like every single thing they did well in the Colts game they did poorly in the Chicago game like if we're talking about offense obviously turning the ball over having a tough time moving the ball downfield. I mean, outside of some explosive plays, it kind of felt like there were there were no, like, of those nitty-gritty runs of where you're picking up three or four yards. It was either 75 yards or 35 yards, or it was one or two. Um, and I don't know. And then, and then you switch over to the defense, and like what Scott said, scoring 20 – the Bears scored 21 points on the Falcons in the first half. That's not only the most points scored on this Falcons team in the first half to this to this point, it's also more points scored on this defense than eight other games wow. that they have played this year. And that's such a wild concept. And, and to put up 37, that's the most, I believe that's also the most points scored against this defense in 2023. So overall, I mean, it, it really did feel like DJ Moore could do no wrong. I, I mean, it's felt that way with DJ Moore and the Falcons for a couple of years now, but it it felt exceptionally so in this game. And then there's also, I mean, then there's special teams. And, you know, I, I know for a fact, of course, Young Waiku would love to have those two missed field goals back. And maybe those missed field goals changed the way that you felt kind of coming out of halftime. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think Taylor Heineke probably said it best where it's like the story of this 2023 Falcons team has been turnovers and missed opportunities. And that's exactly what this game was in a nutshell. And for it to kind of come on the heel of a, a, a win 
last week that felt so good. It's just kind of it's it's almost the juxtaposition that you just like did not want for this team when you felt like they finally had it together last week. Now, just in and we've mentioned on this podcast before that sometimes Tori and I have like a constant uh, during like in game dialogue about what's happening on the field, like what things mean, and she'd kind Honestly, of mentioned we should be mic'd up. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, there are, there's some friendly debates. There's some good banter. Uh, some of it we might have to be censored uh, by David Bassetti. Well, that's but... <laughs> fine. But the players get censored too. We can yeah. get censored in, yeah. in our mic'd ups. That's probably not a bad idea. Uh, Falcons, <laughs> final whistle, unfiltered. I, I think that right. we could pitch that. We just need the right sponsor. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, Tori and I were, were talking around halftime and it was kind of a decisive result at, at, to that point. And Tori kind of said she ultimately wrote about something else about the quarterback. So we're going to get to that. But your first thought was the inconsistencies between the Colts game and the Bears game. Kind of if you expanded that and look big picture, that that's why the Falcons are where they are. Right. Is that too many times you see a Falcons team against the Colts or against the last time they played the Saints or in the first game against the Panthers or even against Green Bay at times against Houston you see a team that looks kind of makes you raise your eyebrow and think what if, right. And then too often when you do that, that sentiment is deflated by the next available opportunity. And that's how you get to around this mark, right? That's how you get to seven and nine going into one more game. And while you wrote ultimately wrote about the quarterbacks, you know, kind of just take me through your mind about why you went there. Cause I think it's a really important thing for fans to understand. Yeah. I mean, I think it, to me, it's just like, and this was actually something that Scott and I were talking about on the plane on the way back or we're sitting on the tarmac waiting for the wings to get de-iced is we're talking about this whole idea of this Falcons team you expected so much from them. And I know I hate that word expectations. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate using it. I hate that it's even coming out of my mouth, (laughs) but at the exact same time, it's like you looked at this roster and you felt so confident about the individual pieces and honestly how they were going to work together. But there was never a point where things were stringing together and in, in the NFL where Yeah, it really is. I mean, Arthur Smith says it literally all the time that it's a week by week league. I get that. But in order, the best teams kind of build upon momentum week by week. And that's something that we have not seen from this Falcons team to date. We have not seen this Falcon team go out in one week and play decisively and play completely and, and play fairly well and go out the next week and have more good than bad. That's not something that we have seen from this team. And I really thought that perhaps with the the whole idea of like, you know, destiny's kind of out of our own hands and, you know, let's just go out and play, maybe play a bit free that that kind of would have changed how these last two weeks would have gone. But to have this like one side of the coin versus the Colts versus the other side of the coin versus the bears, it was just like a microcosm. I feel like of, kind of the, this whole idea of what we thought the Falcons would be versus what they are. And look, we're not trying to say that any team is perfect. You look at the 49ers, what the Philadelphia Eagles are going through, what even the Kansas City Chiefs have, have gone through at periods during the season. There are lulls. There are yeah. valleys. 
But when you have a more complete team, then you can come out of those valleys. Even like, look at what Buffalo's experience has been like. All of a sudden, they are super hot after being the 10th seed in like like in the AFC. And I think that good teams can vault themselves forward forward in those mm-hmm. regards. Those examples that I have, no shock, have higher to elite level quarterbacks at their disposal that they may have a couple of bad games. Stick with them because you know Josh Allen slash Patrick Mahomes slash Brock Purdy's in the conversation now or Jalen Hurts that those guys will eventually get on a run and lead you toward good things and help those playmakers um, do what they do best. Falcons are not in that category. And that's what you wrote. And you wrote a, what I would consider a critical yet fair depiction of what the Falcons quarterback experience has been this year and over the course of the last three years. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but just to kind of set, (laughs) just to set this up, I, I think it was a really good point because if we just were to talk about Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter, maybe we're not doing this conversation justice. Right. Right. And you went and so you went back to uh, Matt Ryan for one year Mm -hmm. and then to Marcus Mariota to Ritter and then, and then starting with Ritter and then to Heineke and back and forth and on the seesaw. Right. Right. And ultimately where you end up with one game to go and one game is not going to change anyone's mind, no matter what happens, you kind of feel like you're at a point with the quarterback where you're kind of, You've learned a lot, but you're kind of nowhere at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I normally, Scott knows this. I normally don't write columns. I, there are a lot of times where I I don't put my opinion out there very often, but when I do, it's for, I feel like good reason. And I find, I felt like with a little push from Scott that (laughs) I needed to, to do this. I needed to write about the quarterback because it's gotten to the point now where you cannot look at this team and not talk about the quarterback issues that have spanned three seasons. And, and, you know, Scott really, I think set it up really well. I, I I think back to the fact that, okay, Matt Ryan, you knew that it was the sunset of the Matt Ryan era in Atlanta when Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot got in here because that contract was so hefty and it weighed down the salary cap and you wouldn't have been able to go out and get a Jesse Bates or a David Onyemata or Caden Ellis it, with Matt Ryan's contract. That's just not, or you maybe wouldn't have even been able to, to, to extend Chris Lindstrom. I mean, there are, there are a lot of moves that I think happened because you freed up cap space solely off of Matt Ryan's contract. So that happens. And then you have the whole Marcus Mariota experience and, you know, I'll, for for everything about Marcus Mariota, there was one thing that he did well, and it was the fact that he jump-started this run game in Atlanta, where I, I think people forget because we've been talking we talk a lot about in the last two years, Tyler Algier and CP and now Bajan and kind of the Falcons having this dynamic run game. That was not the case in Atlanta for a very, very, very long time. And I do think that Marcus Mariota played a part in that. Now he did some other things that we won't get into, but the, you know, this is just the experience uh, of kind of having someone who is trying to have this resurgence of their career. And then you go to Desmond Ritter and you give this rookie quarterback a shot and you say you're riding with him in 2023 and you do until you can't, because there were too many costly mistakes at inopportune times. And then you go to Taylor Heineke, who literally verbatim said when he came into Atlanta, that he was there to be a backup. 
That's what Arthur Smith said. That's what Terry Fontenot said. That's what Taylor Heineke said. He was there to be Desmond Ritter's backup. So this is where you are at the quarterback position over a three-year arc. And it's really interesting to me that all four of these quarterbacks came to Atlanta or were already in Atlanta at very different points in times in their lives, very different points in times in their careers. And yet we're still having, and they all, I think all four had something different to prove. Yeah. Great point. And all four of them, if I'm being completely fair and honest, this offense hasn't been scoring a lot of points. It's not a high scoring offense in the last three years. The stats in the league can back that up. This whole idea of the Falcons as an offense, no, when Arthur Smith is talking about the quarterback situation, you can't, he's right, that you can't just put all of this on one guy and you can't just put the issues of the entire microcosm of the team, the entire team on Matt Ryan or Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. That's not fair because there are so many different things that have been happening over the course of this three-year stint in Atlanta. There are different defensive philosophies. There are different pieces and defenders and everything. So there's so many different things that are happening around these quarterbacks. However, there is one common denominator over the last three seasons in that there has been inconsistency in the quarterback position, in quarterback play in Atlanta. And there has to be a point where that changes because otherwise – I don't know kind of how you take a step forward as an offense. And that's nothing against the people who are here. That's, that's nothing against, I think, what we saw Matt Ryan or Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke do. It's just the Falcons just need consistency. They need answers. And if they don't get it in 2024, I don't know when they're ever going to get it. I think it's one of those things where because of the situation that the Falcons are in, you're going to start seeing – Anybody who becomes free attached to the Falcons, right? Yeah. It, that this offseason is going to be full of, well, looks like Russell Wilson's on his way out of Denver. ATL? Question mark? Exclamation point? Question mark? Even, even people who aren't available. Like, I'm yeah. seeing all this stuff on Twitter about, like, oh, the Falcons could have had Lamar Jackson last year. And it's like, he wasn't That's even revisionist. available. Yeah. Right? Like, that he wasn't even available. Like, come on. And so it's like one of those things where it's, it's going to be the the question of the offseason. You know, like you think about the la- the first two years of Terry and Arthur being here, it was salary cap, salary cap, salary cap. How in the world do they make it work? How in the world do they get out of the red? All of those, those were the questions. The third year, this past year, it was like, it was still salary cap. It was still like, oh my gosh, they have all this money. Wow. What are they going to do with it? They have the <laughs> overall pick. They go out and get Bajan. Like, it's like, woo, like so exciting, blah, blah, blah. Now, now it's what the heck are you going to do at the quarterback position? That is question number one. And honest, honestly, that's kind of the only question I have for this team going into the off season is kind of like, what the heck are you going to do at quarterback? Because at this point, we're kind of riding this quarterback carousel. And you're going to get dizzy at some point. Yeah. It, it's just something that ultimately needs to get figured out. And I think it, it it can't be accomplished with half measures. And what I mean by that is the, the last big move that they made was 
trading Matt Ryan, which obviously was a big move because of the salary cap implications and all right. of those other types of things about, about getting right. But going with a third round, you know, pick and Desmond Ritter, they felt a certain level of confidence. You have Taylor Heineke, who we know what he can do. And ultimately, um, you know, those things kind of haven't worked. And Marcus Mariota was never really a long-term solution with the right. way that it was looked at. So what do you do to go and make those, to make that big move? It has to be a high value asset. And what I mean by that is a whole lot of cash, like 25 to $40 million cash <laughs> yeah. or a high value draft pick or trade as, or draft picks in a trade asset that, that I think it, that is the stage ultimately for how this thing gets worked out. Now, look, at some point during the off season, we're going to hear from chairman Arthur blank about the future of, you know, Falcons brass. And we're not going to get into that. There's gonna be plenty of time for that too. But I think that once you kind of get that figured out and then you really address no matter what happens there, you still absolutely have to look at this quarterback situation and what happens moving forward. Now, look, we do these question of the week podcasts. You're going to hear lots of Falcons, final whistles, special episodes, so let's not like jump the shark on all those in that series right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, but let's just address one final thing, Tori, is that, look, everybody in the Falcons locker room kind of took solace in what was a a pretty lopsided defeat Yeah. with, we're not out of the fight. That's a quote from Jesse Bates. You heard a variation of that phrase from Calais Campbell and Drake London and Taylor Heineke who said a, a bad word at the podium that I had. To yeah. That Scott crappy. didn't, Scott didn't keep it in his story. He changed it to crappy. I was really like, where's the integrity of the quote? Like, that's <laughs> the what integrity of the quote. We run a parental guidance website <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Um, but yeah, so we, we saw a variation of that and quick summation. The Falcons are not out of the race for the NFC South. The wild card kind of pie in the sky at this point. Let's just call it that. But ultimately, when you look at it, because the Bucks lost, now the NFC South will be decided in, in week 18. If Tampa Bay beats Carolina, they win the NFC South, put a bow on it. If that doesn't happen, if the Panthers win, the two-win Panthers win, by the way, they lost what twenty six to nothing against the Trevor Lawrence list Jaguars team. Uh, then it then it comes down to Falcons at Saints. Saints win and Bucks lose. Saints take the title. If Falcons win, then and all three teams are at eight and nine because of a what's called head to head between the three teams who are tied for first place. The Falcons get that one, so it's still technically possible, and that will that's what's going to spurn this Falcons team forward and teach them to really kind of cut this game off, quarantine it and move forward. Now, look, I, not like Twitter mentions are the be all end all here, but in a story that I wrote kind of mentioning that saying they have to play better and that it doesn't solve all the problems. There's a level of frustration that, gosh, we shouldn't have been there, or this is a predicament. Now they, they lost control. It's tough to put odds on it, but I think it's, it's a pretty difficult mountain to climb but not impossible. Stranger things have happened, but that's going to be a lot of things that are talked about moving into week 18. I just, I, I think it's only fair for us, Tori, that we kind of say, look, that, that doesn't mask, even if they make the playoffs, it doesn't mask all the issues that they have here, Yeah. but they are still alive. That is a scientific fact. 
You're right. You're right. And I think, I mean, at the end of the day, those two games are going to be happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So we're going to know up in the press box and probably all of you listening who watch the games at home, you'll be able to watch these games happening simultaneously. And you'll kind of know one way or the other before the players on the field do. And I, I think that for me, it's like, I just, I want to see this Falcons team, regardless of kind of what happens around them, that they show us who they should be. Right. Show us who you were against the Saints the first time you played them. Show us who you were against the Colts. Let's go back even further, like what you said against, you know, Green Bay and week one against Carolina. Be that team. Be, be the team that kind of goes out there and has a chip on its shoulder and with something to prove. And don't be the team that lost to the Commanders or Arizona or the Panthers or the Bears. Don't be that team it, because you, you're, you have more potential than that team. And that's kind of what I, that's kind of just what I want to see. And, you know, if, if the Falcons beat the Saints and meanwhile, Tampa Bay beats the Panthers, okay. You know, you you can – I don't know if you can live with that because you still do have the loss to Carolina. You still have the loss to Arizona. You still have the loss to the Commanders. And it's tough. It's tough because I didn't think this is where the Falcons would be at this point in the season. It's frustrating. I think everybody in the locker room, coaches have all said that. Um, so what do you do? You, there's nothing you can do. You just got to go out and try and win and just kind of hope you get some help along the way. But that doesn't, like, exactly like what you're saying, that doesn't mask the issues that they have to fix in the next offseason if they want to be contenders because they, they have to be contenders next year. They just have to. Yeah, and I think that that's an important outlook, right? That what can they show themselves? What can they show Falcons fans in this last game? And then you let the chips fall where they may because they ultimately lost control of their destiny with those consecutive losses to the Bucks and the Panthers sitting in this situation. The Falcons are still definitely trying to make the best of it. And as we try to get a firm evaluation on what this season was, what this season wasn't, where it went right, where it went wrong, and ultimately what types of changes are going to come during the off season. So I feel like that's a good setup for one more week of the regular season and then on into the off season. So let's just say happy new year. And thank you so much for, listening, rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Atlanta Falcons podcast network and this specific series, the Atlanta, wait, not the, the Falcons final whistle podcast presented by Zaxby's. Uh, it's New Year's Eve. It's 1037. Uh, we're going to enjoy heading towards midnight. So for Tori, I'm Scott. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. You guys are awesome. And we appreciate the, the support in good times and bad. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. We will talk to you again real, real soon. Happy New Year!